Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of No Fat Cats, episode 50. I decided to do something a little bit different for this episode, decided to go live on Instagram, uh, hey Kim, and then also going, uh, recording the audio. So you're going to be able to find this audio uh, through the No Fat Cats podcast, and then also find it on, uh, yeah, Instagram, IGTV, we'll be saving this episode there as well. This is an exciting uh, milestone with the podcast because this marks episode 50. Yes, that's right. I've been cranking out 50 episodes since last year, and I just thought 50 was a really good time to think about how what I've learned doing 50 episodes, 50 podcast episodes uh, in the last year, what I've learned, and kind of reflect on some of those thoughts that I've had. And also thought, why not go on to uh, Instagram Live at the same time? It's not much more work to set up the phone and hit live and see how it goes. So this is both live and then also recorded over here. You'll see I got my little uh, Procaster board over here recording and uh, in the studio here at the co-working space at The Loop. So first off, you know, I wanted to recap a little bit about the the episodes, like what I've learned doing 50 episodes. So when I started, hey Aaron, uh, when I started doing a podcast, uh, my goal was really just to uh, to get good at podcasting. Uh, it, it was something I enjoyed doing. I enjoyed, you know, the process of of, of podcasting. Of I listened to podcasts. Uh, I knew I had a lot of friends who would say, "Oh, I'm like watching all these videos on YouTube," and I was like, "I just don't have time to." I have three kids. I don't have time to be listening to a whole bunch of or watching a lot of videos on YouTube. Uh, but I did have time during my commute to uh, go to. Uh, you know, while I'm biking to and from from work, and it's about six miles, uh, thirty minutes, and I would love just to. I'm obviously not watching videos uh, while I'm biking, but I could put one earbud in, keep the other ear free, and, and listen to a podcast. And it's something I very much enjoy doing uh, over the course of, uh, you know, over the last uh, you know multiple years, uh, four or five years, just really loved podcasting, uh, listening to podcasts while I'm biking. And so one of my goals was just, you know, this is a medium I like. Let's get good at podcasting. And so when I started, I launched my podcast. One of the things I wanted to do was one of my goals is just get better at podcasting. And so, I mean, how do you become a podcaster? You just start podcasting is what you do. I mean, how do you get good at writing? You write. How do you get good at playing the guitar? You you play the guitar. So when I started my podcast, No Fat Cats, one of my goals was really just to uh, get good at podcasting. And so I also knew that one of the things uh, that I would need to do, you know, with a podcast is just keep practicing, keep practicing, keep practicing. And multiple things that I read when, when leading up to it said, you know, the, the biggest thing you are, uh, your first podcast is never going to be your best. And so part of my attitude almost was, well, if that's the case, why don't we just get started and, and get done with episode one, like the first podcast I'm doing. Let's just get done with that ep- that podcast series, get it under my belt, and then I can say, hey, I, I did my first one and know automatically that my second podcast would be better than my first. Uh, but in order to get to my second one, I'd almost have to get through my first podcast uh, first. And so that was kind of what I started. And and sometimes people would ask, well, how do you monetize a podcast? Uh, what does that look like? Uh, you know, and to date, you know, I haven't had anyone actually pay me directly for my podcast, 
Uh, but what it did lead to was was a, a huge project last year where it was working as a contract for for USAID, producing a podcast for them. And that was something that I wouldn't have had the confidence to to pitch the idea of doing a podcast unless I had already been doing a podcast. And so does that make sense? Like, like I wouldn't have had the confidence to say, yes, I can produce a podcast for you unless I had already been doing that. And, and so that is one way in which it, whatever kind of work you're wanting to do more of, you just have to start at some point and, uh, and eventually you're going to be able to build it up like that. So that was the that those were really my my two goals going through. You know, I enjoyed you know creativity and you know to be honest, the the, the podcast. Looking back on these these last you know forty nine to fifty episodes has been uh, fairly broad um, in part because I you know I've been figuring that process out. But that's really just the the best way is just kind of start uh, start exploring and eventually you'll be able to find something that you resonate with and say which episodes did I enjoy, which ones did I not. And it's the same thing with a with a sport. You know, you try a sport, you try it for a, a, a season, and then say, hey, did I like it or not, and evaluate whether it's time to to, to move on. And the other thing that I noticed with a podcast is that that you know almost the social buzz that you can create additional content from a podcast is almost more valuable than the actual podcast itself. Uh, because even I'll give you a good example is I had a few episodes ago I had I had Eric Thane on and um, you know he is from Cinema Mastery. He, you know, I love the podcast. We had a great conversation. He also has a pretty decent following on Instagram. And and so I tracked the process and he, he was nice enough. I loved Eric. He actually uh, put a link to the podcast in his bio, created a post and blasted it out to all of his followers. And so I thought, oh man, yeah, this is great. Like I'm sure now like a lot more downloads are going to happen with the podcast. Because of analytics, I can track exactly what happened. So I, I can track the, the web. He posted it. The link in the bio was my webpage for the podcast. On the webpage, I also had a YouTube video. There was a snippet of the podcast. There's some text and a link to, to download where you can go and, and get the podcast. What I noticed was that there was a lot of traffic to that website. A lot more people went. A lot more people watched the the video. A lot of people watched the video that was on that page. But the number of people who additionally took that step of downloading the podcast w- was minuscule. Like, if I look at the download section, you would expect, oh, if someone that big a pre- presence publishes a podcast, that maybe there's a big uptick. But the podcast views stayed relatively the same compared to all the rest of them, even though there was a lot more additional buzz. And so I think a podcast can create value from the point of view of it's helping you um, create additional you know, content that gets you exposure, people know you are, but it doesn't necessarily translate into more podcast views. You know, I, and it's a conversation I've had with a few other people about what actually moves the needle in your podcast. And they said, you know, the biggest thing that moves the needle in my podcast is guesting on other people's podcasts because guess what? If someone is already listening to a podcast, they are significantly more likely to listen to your podcast because they like to consume podcasts. So someone who just who you know likes to, to scroll on Facebook or go on YouTube, you know, they uh they're not necessarily going to be someone who who is a podcaster. In fact, I've had some people say, like, oh, man, I saw your podcast episode. I saw your podcast episode. And then later they might say, well, where actually is the podcast? And you have to explain, like, well, you have to go to either 
uh, Apple Podcast or Stitcher or or Spotify, and there you can find it. But they had still seen the additional content I was putting on. In fact, I've had like multiple people saying, "Oh man, I I see you're still podcasting. That's awesome. Love that you're doing it." But then when I look at you know total downloads, it might not be you know where I think it should be for that. But there is still a lot of additional content, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, you know, Facebook or YouTube, that can be in fact very very helpful. And, and so that's one of the things I've seen is that especially today, your uh, the podcast audience is going to be a, a little bit different in terms of it, it's a little hard to get into. I also think, at least for, for even for me personally, is that there was a little bit of a change when we had that transition with, with COVID-19 where people were no longer as many people were no longer commuting as much. And so I even noticed uh, there's a, a, almost a 25% reduction in, in listeners around the COVID time. I mean, myself included, I wasn't listening to as many podcasts because the, the number one time that I listen to podcasts is when I'm biking into work. And uh, March, April, you know, just, just transitioned completely to to working from home and I was no longer biking to work and I was no longer commuting. Along with a lot more other people weren't commuting to work. And so that kind of just drastically changed the practices there of, of what people were doing. And, and so that's one of the things I've learned is that, you know, podcasting is hard, but at the same time, you know, you can create a lot of helpful content. It's also a helpful chance for you to reflect on uh, a topic. So the times I would want to kind of think about something or uh, I had a, had something I was going through and being able to podcast about it is a very concrete way to to take a concept you're thinking about and it forces you to articulate it in a way where it's ready for everyone to, to consume. Because it's also, you know, just forces you to get in the habit of, of taking all these ideas that are in your head and put them into a digital space. The other thing that I have loved about podcasting is that it is absolutely a great way to connect and learn from others. Uh, you know, during this time, you know, I've, I've invited people to be on the guests on the podcast who might not otherwise say yes to just, hey, would you like to have coffee? You, you know, I mean, that's kind of, uh, well, we've all probably been there when someone says, hey, do you just want to have coffee? And, and at the end of that coffee, you know, you, you maybe enjoyed having that, that cup of coffee, but that's 30 minutes or an hour that either was a great time investment or potentially was not a great time investment. But the nice thing is when you're doing a podcast, it's always the opportunity to uh, know that there's going to be some sort of product, there's a deliverable, you're getting your name out there. And so it really is a big win for for both people to be able to, to do that. And so just there's been a lot of people who I've enjoyed. It also gives you a very concrete chance of when you know somebody who you've maybe interacted with. Like th Those are always the easiest podcasts was – some at some point where where you have a they're not a complete stranger but there's someone that you've potentially interacted with but it's been a few years and, and podcasts serve as an absolute great way to uh, to reconnect be deliberate about it you know if you just said hey do you want to chat for an hour you know it's like everyone has a lot of stuff going on if it, especially if it's someone you vaguely know chatting for an hour doesn't necessarily seem like a great win-win for everyone, but when there's a podcast involved, it, it really helps. And even from a strategy, you know, I, I've been talking with multiple people and they've they've had you know, media advisors when when they would just say, hey, do you, uh, you know, they're debating, should I start a podcast or not? And and one of the, the people I've talked to, he said, you know, my strategy, instead of saying, hey, let's start a podcast was really just let's be on as guest on as many podcasts as I can, and honestly, that will get if you if your goal is like getting more exposure or creating stuff, 
or improving your SEO, getting on somebody else's podcast and having them link to your site is actually a significantly better way of boosting your own content out there rather than creating a lot of it yourself. So no, you don't actually own it when you guest on somebody else's podcast, but it will be better for SEO and for search engine optimization for your content if you guest on other people's podcasts rather than trying to continually promote your own. So so if you're thinking about doing a podcast or something like that, it is a legitimate strategy. Just, you know, why don't you get a decent mic, try to guest on as many shows as you can and have them link to you and that will be easier and more beneficial if your goal is to get more exposure. But if your goal was like me was to get good at podcasting, then by all means, podcast. Also, one of the things I've learned is, you know, authors always, you think, oh, you listen to podcasts where there's an author and, and you assume, oh, it'd be awesome to get like these big, uh, you know, authors on the show or, or whatever. But here's the thing I found about authors is that there is very much a difference between getting an author before they launch their book and after they launch their book. So I reached out to one author who was like, oh, I'd heard about, I'd heard of the podcast with him in it. And I thought he'd be an awesome person to have on the podcast. I reached out to him and he said, you know what? I've done over 200 interviews about the book. I am burned out on the book. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm not doing any more interviews. And I was like, that's fair enough. I would be really tired if I had done 200 ep- interviews about one book. I'd probably be burned out on it too. But what I did find is if someone has a book that they're coming out and launching, they will be much more ready to be on, speak anywhere they can to promote their book. So that's the trick is don't try to get an author on your podcast after they've launched the book and are, are worn out, get an author who's getting ready to launch a book and they will be much more ready to be on your show. And also, it's been a great time for me to reflect just on, on what topics and content I have loved the most in a podcast. And you know, what I've found is the content I've loved the most have been those that involve an element of cross-cultural work or cross-cultural filming. They've involved understanding how different cultures work, how different cultures communicate, market, or even working in international settings. And, you know, one of the issues I've had with the podcast is when it comes down to that idea of audience, like who is that person who, uh, like, really listens to the podcast? And, you know, after 50 episodes, I'm like, well, it's... I think it's it's mainly like close friends, family, or people who are in, you know, somewhat in the, the filming space. But the truth of the matter is, it is just really too broad, uh, you know. And what I've discovered is, you know, I enjoy talking about leadership and creativity and like team management and then also storytelling. Well, guess what? There are probably um, tens or hundreds of podcasts about each one of those topics individually by somebody who has more experience and um, has been doing it for longer. It's just the, the reality. So if you look at you know leadership or even running a business, you know there's tons, especially in English, of podcasts in about each of those topics with someone who has more experience and has been doing it for longer. And so that's it's been that process for me of kind of finding, of, of niching down and, and figuring out what that's going to look like um, but I've kind of reached the point where I've decided that, you know, I, I think it's actually time to consider this my my first podcast and a transition to podcast number two. That there was a period where I was, you know, I was strongly considering changing the name back at like episode 25, but decided, you know, I'm going to stick with it a bit longer, um, make it to the end, make it keep going, keep going. Um, but the big turning point for me has been that I'm really wanting to do 
switch to focus on more cross-cultural video work or cross-cultural creators. And, uh, you know, that being like, that's going to be my, my new niche that I need to be able to do. And the issue is that no fat cats doesn't really translate well because it is a very, it's kind of fun, but at the same time, it it is a little vague. You have to understand it. And for someone who is in a cross-cultural setting who maybe lives from a different country, maybe English is their second language, they're just not going to get it at all. They're they're not going to get like, no, why, why are there no fat cats? Uh, it is just, and I'm going to have to be able to be uh, a little more, make something that's a little more specific from the point of view of it, it's more specific. It's clear what it is and it can, can kind of translate better. And so that's why I am still figuring out what, how I'm going to wrap everything together. But I've realized that if I focus on that cross-cultural aspect, I can appeal to a much more narrow focus. But at the same time, I can still bring up topics of leadership, topics of like productivity, but through the lens of cross-cultural productivity, cross-cultural leadership. Um, and that becomes a much more narrow focus. So that way I'm not saying, hey, let's throw in an episode about leadership in general and then then be like, not focused at all, but it when it's within that cross-cultural creating context, all of a sudden then it becomes a lot more focused and a lot more um, in context, and it's going to appeal to a much more narrow um, vein, vein of thought, vein of thinking, and a much more narrow audience. And so that in turn is like there are a lot of people in this world, and you're not going to appeal to all of them you know, the same language. You're better off saying, hey, let's find a more narrow niche or segment of people that will really, really resonate with what I'm wanting to do and speak directly to them. Um, or else you're just really speaking to, to no one, you know, really at all. And, and so I think that's what the biggest thing I've realized is that, you know, over the last 50 episodes is it really is that, uh, intersection. I mean, with, with my background, I grew up in Colombia and Puerto Rico through middle school and elementary school, uh, you know, lived in Ecuador for, for two years after graduating from school. I've traveled and worked in many parts of East Africa, West Africa, uh, Cambodia, the Philippines, Haiti, South America. So I get what it looks like it means to, to work cross-culturally and to be a cross-cultural creator. And I've also realized that is the biggest uh, space for, there's a lot of space for growth right now. So especially with uh, within COVID, COVID-19 going on right now, a lot less people are traveling uh, internationally, especially crews from the U.S. in terms of traveling internationally. And so there's a great opportunity for local videographers and creators to, to step up their game. But at the same time, they need to learn the skills of being able to work and communicate and write proposals and, and communicate cross-culturally with people back in the U.S. And I think they need help being able to communicate with people in the back in you know the global north, whether it's you know Europe, the U.S., and people who are in the U.S., very much need help leading creative teams from abroad who, you know, maybe work locally and don't necessarily share the same, you know, worldview for from the U.S. or, or way of thinking about things. And so that's where I realized is that there's a big need for that for someone who understands both cultures, understand what it's look what it's like to communicate both ways, both to people who are, you know, work in the U.S. and people who work locally because the big thing i've noticed especially when you look at dslrs how they've come a long ways the issue used to be that well people in some of the developing countries just don't have access to dslrs they don't have access to the equipment now that is no longer the case how do i know that because last year i was filming in the slums of kibera kenya when these this crew that's filming a music video walks through with a a 5d mark 4 
uh, camera and some big lenses and everything. Like, so the issue now isn't that people don't have the equipment. It's that they don't understand how to communicate, how to have a process and how to communicate cross culturally to be on a cross cultural team. And so that's where the, the big issue is that the big niche that I'm seeing out there is, is that people don't have that. People also, what I've realized is that they really have a harder time creating content for a cross cultural setting where, you know, they, um, you know, people just kind of think, oh, I have this content in English. What I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm gonna add subtitles to it or I'm going to I'm going to dub it and then create it that way. And then that's like, oh, we, we created content cross-culturally. It's like, no, well, if you really want to take it the next step further, you have to create examples that are local. You have to, you know, because that way people can relate to those examples that you have. And then on top of it, the next stage, though, would be actually speaking, having the person presenting appear with a local person that your audience already trusts so that they can validate the message. Because what I've found is that if you can't connect with somebody, uh, you're not going to f- be able to learn from them. You're, you're, I mean, you might watch it and listen to it, but you're not going to feel that connection because it's when you have a connection and build trust, that you open up to actually believing what they have to say. And, uh, you know, if I, if I, if there's someone who I'm listening to, who I don't connect with, I don't like who they are. I don't, we don't connect. I'm just not going to feel like I want to learn from them and feel like I can necessarily trust them. But if there's somebody I know who then says, Hey, this person is legit or condones them, gives them that, um, you know, kind of vouches for them or appears talking with them. All of a sudden I trust them so much more than just someone who's out of the blue. It's that word of mouth, it's that referral. And that's where I think a lot of people need help is how do you find somebody who can help you communicate your message? Not just literally, not just providing local examples, but validate for who you are and help amplify your message in a local context. And that's where I believe there is a huge room for growth as there are tons of people in the US who are doing North America, uh, love my Canadian friends too, who are doing, you know, creating content, who are doing how to run a business, how to, you know, run a video business, how to um, tell a story, how to be a leader. There are tons of people who are doing that and doing it really well and have very developed audiences. But there are very few who are successfully taking that content and translating it into a cross-cultural setting where they can communicate their main content in English into a separate cross-cultural into different settings in part because so many people in the u.s so many people in the world speak english and so that's is that you can get away you can have a very thriving business if you only speak english and if you do it well you can can get by just fine um but guess what there are a lot of people out there who i mean as you just look at population growth who who aren't gonna they might not speak they might speak english and know english but they're not going to connect with you because you haven't given them a reason to connect with you. And so that's where I think a lot of the real opportunities are, is that yes, there's people in India, there's people in Africa, and even more people in Latin America who, who speak English, but they're not going to have that connection with you if you're not speaking to them at a cross-cultural level. With your video content, with your podcast, and um, you know, with, with how you communicate. And so that's where I want to transition this podcast is going to that vein. So still talking a lot about some of the similar topics, whether it's cross-cultural video work, communication, but it's all going to be within a cross-cultural uh, 
setting and context. And so what that's going to mean is that I am going to have to take a little bit of a break from this one to kind of regroup and refocus. So I've learned a lot about launching a podcast, uh, learned a lot about how to create more buzz about it. So I mean, also Apple, Apple podcast, one of the things they look at when you launch a podcast is total downloads. And so they don't, one of the strategies for being able to launch the podcast is if you have a bigger season almost or a bigger chunk of episodes available when you launch. So let's say you have 10, 10 episodes and you get 10 people who who, uh, who download them. That's 100 downloads. Meanwhile, if you if you only the first month launch five episodes um, and 10 people download, that's, that's 50. Or if you only launch one or two episodes and 10 people download them, that's you know, 10, 20. And so there is a lot of value in terms of getting a launch strategy to really dump a lot of episodes about a particular topic, to launch, create buzz, build those reviews early on so that you get ranked higher in the podcast. And so that is honestly one of my goals for the, for this next one is take what I've learned and, and be able to relaunch something. I'm also, this isn't quite set in stone yet, but looking at being able to launch a podcast in Spanglish to show that I can communicate more in the Latin American world. So what I mean by Spanglish would be a mixture of English and some Spanish um, for creatives who are uh, in Latin America, know some English, but maybe don't, uh, aren't fluent, but are willing to listen to five-minute sec- five sections here and there uh, and be able to learn from that. Because if I'm going to be an expert at cross-cultural communication, I need to be able to create my own content cross-culturally as well. So, you know, with that, you know, it's been great. I want to thank every single one of my guests, every single one of my listeners. If you are listening now to the very end of episode 50, I want to thank you for listening and being on this journey with me right now. Uh, You know, it's been great, but I'm also super excited about what's coming up next. When I launch that one, I will come up with another episode uh, to introduce that one and point you to that direction because I'm still going to be making content. It's just going to have a different name and different, more focused approach. Uh, Thank you so much for this journey of being with me on this journey of 50 episodes. It has been a blast. I've learned a lot. Thank you to every one of my guests who's been on. I will be reaching out to you later to thank you. And uh, until the next next podcast is ready to launch, have a good one. Keep getting better. Keep improving. And have a great day week or potentially month if it's going to take that long to relaunch and figure everything out. So thank you so much and goodbye.